The Start On On Demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Tuesday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And coming up today, we are going to talk about a situation with the Ottawa Senators as a bunch of them were in a vehicle, an Uber, and they were trashing their team, trashing their coaches, and there's a camera in that vehicle, and guess what? The video got leaked online. So now they've got egg on their faces, the organization has egg on its face, and the conversation is, are you careful about what you say in public in case you are being recorded? We're also going to speak to a privacy lawyer and get his thoughts on that story. How much of an invasion of privacy was this, having this video get leaked online? And then we're going to talk about another aspect of privacy invasion, gate recognition software. Yes, there is software that can recognize someone from a great distance away just based on the way they walk. We'll talk about U.S. midterm elections. Maybe more attention being paid to these midterm elections than ever. We'll speak with Global's Reggie Cicchini in Washington. We're also going to talk about the do's and don'ts of trying cannabis for the first time because a lot of people in this country are curious about it now that it's legal, whether they want to try it for recreational purposes or maybe medicinal purposes. What should you do if you are that person who is curious. And finally, we're going to learn about a completely random shooting in the North End. 46-year-old guy gets shot in the arm while he's walking to work. We're going to speak with one of his co-workers. Mackling McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. And the headline that I left part of it blank was Ottawa Senators players apologized for video that showed them trash talking their team. Oh yeah, not good. Uh, you know there are certain times and places where you should be comfortable to do that. I think we're learning that maybe the backseat of an Uber is not the place to do this. Only coach in HL history to have the worst power play and worst PK within a back calendar to back. year. Back to back. Within a calendar year of each other. It's actually hard to do. It is. It's impressive. Do you, do you notice that? Do you notice that when he when he uh, runs the video, like if you actually do pay attention, he doesn't ever teach you anything. He just commentates no. what's happening. He's like, uh, "Here's so and so skating on the wall with the puck." Yeah, so yeah. say what to do with it. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing too. We don't change anything ever. So why do we even have a meeting? Like I haven't paid attention in three weeks. Oh, Gosh. Kelly Moore, I thought of you right away. Yeah. Why Why so? Well, did you not cringe when you listened to that? Well, I did, but I also took it into the, like if you have, I don't know, I rode enough buses uh, in, in junior and, and sometimes you hear some conversations and sometimes you take it into private uh, on, on some conversations and, and there are going to be certain criticisms, uh, criticisms of each other over the course of a season. Though, trust me, the Ottawa Senators are not the only team that talks like that. Not a hope. And if you think that is the case, you are woefully naive. They just happen to be the only team that got caught on video. Well, and like here's that. a text message from one of our listeners says, if I take a bus and I'm no expert on privacy, or I expect no privacy, if I'm in my car, a friend's car, or a hired car... Maybe a pa- uh, taxi or Uber. I would expect privacy and not expect to have video released to the media. And so that's the broader question. I think you're right, Kelly. Yeah. To, to imagine that we're all happy at work and don't 
be and moan about it behind the scenes would be naive of every single one of us. But do you expect privacy in certain places? Yes. And and does this and does this bother you? In yes. certain places, yeah. In a taxi, like every time I ride in a taxi, I see the little camera in front, right? Because they have it for safety reasons, right? In sure. case something happens. So I'm always conscious when I'm in a cab. Is like, okay, I'm being recorded right now. And are you I mean, thinking about your behavior though, or what you're saying? It's usually just me sitting there by myself, anyway. So I'm, I'm not about to do anything <laughs> yeah, newsworthy. Jeff, Jeff Braun <laughs> is such an idiot. I know, isn't he? So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I, I can see how. I mean, it's a. I would be blindsided if something like that happened, but to another degree, it's like you got to sort of assume that people are watching all the time. I once threw up on myself in a cab. I wonder if that's uh, been recorded. <laughs> that's again behavior. Yeah. Like I mean, that those are, like it, it, they release video of someone. You know, the the point of all those cameras is to catch or deter yeah. people from doing yeah. bad For things. It's safety. nothing to do yeah. with conversation. Now, and now you have the senators apologizing, and you have Uber apologizing. There's so many questions for them. Like what the? But don't you also find just because we work here at CJOB that that sort of changes? I mean, when I'm out and about, even if I'm like sitting at a lounge talking with some friends. And I start, you know, airing my grievances about work, whatever they may be. I'm very aware. It's like, hey, somebody might know that I'm from CJOB. Sure. So yeah. I'm not about to just sit here and start blasting this, whatever yeah. is on my mind, right? I'll, I'll tell you, the one thing that it, it did bring uh, uh, the thought process to me, Greg, was this is a team that just went through the Carlson Hoffman soap opera a year ago. And all of a sudden, now they're having to deal with this. I, I would think if you're a team member... Uh, having gone through what the Ottawa Senators went through last year, you what might be, even if you think it's a safe spot in an Uber vehicle, you still might be a little more careful with how you presented yourself publicly. Okay. Not to dig too deep down in terms of, terms of the sports and the implications for yeah. the Senators, but Matt Duchesne, who is a player that they traded a lot of assets exactly. for, yeah. who's now on the trading block himself, how many teams are going to be anxious to bring him in? Like, I don't know the yeah. ramifications, but the broader questions are, are fascinating. Lorraine. Well, we're yeah. going to talk to a privacy lawyer coming up in the next few hours about what it means. Is Uber even allowed to do this? Like, am I, should I have a reasonable expectation of privacy? But then I also have questions. What does the coach do with this? Like, you know, he, like what do you yeah. do in that locker room? And as much as I would be so upset if this conversation was recorded and shared, not only did they mock their coach, I haven't paid attention in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's your team you're cheering yeah, for. Yeah, we're he's admitting, seven weeks into the season. Thanks for trying. Like... Yeah, but if, I, if I'm a coach, I also have to take that criticism sure. positively and work with it. Right. If, because are they the only seven players that feel that way? Or Probably are the other, not. The other 15 or 16 guys in the room thinking the same thing. And if that's the case, I'm not doing my job. I, I bought a pair of socks over the weekend at Pine Ridge Hollow that says this meeting is BS, uh, but it was a bit more explicit, so maybe these, these guys... <laughs> get those socks? Yeah, need to you get the same pair of socks. You want to send them? Would you get a GoFundMe page and send the millionaires <laughs> this meeting is BS socks? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be, I'm furious on so many levels for this. Like, I just, I'm mad at those players. What an idiot thing to say, but then who's the idiot that released the video? And- but Kelly, so you mentioned uh, that all teams do this. There's players well, shooting their mouths off behind their backs, but since this was now captured on video and presented to the world, does the coach have to make an example of them? Well, I there's only so much you can do in this day and age in the National Hockey League. And when I when I say that all teams are critical, maybe not to this degree, 
But you can't tell me that for six or seven months that it's going to be nothing but positive comments uh, about the coaching staff. There are always going to be certain criticisms that are made. Oh, sure. Anytime uh, you get six co-workers with a night on the town, yeah, people are going to yeah. say stuff, right? But, but I don't know how they can possibly get through this, Brett, without at least making some changes. I think they're, they're, they're going to have to do something just at least to send the message that the inmates are not in charge of the asylum. And, of course, this is not the head coach. This is their one of their assistants co- coaches that they've been yeah. talking about. Martin Raymond. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, as old saying goes, you can't trade 25 guys, but you can fire one coach. And I, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Raymond is uh, you, is out I, of a job in the next few weeks. Can you imagine that the guy's walking into that dressing room this oh, morning? Oh, boy. If I were that coach, I'd be waiting for them and say, hey, guys, I got a video to show you. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we got some tape to watch. We got some tape to watch today. But you know what, though? If you are a coach, you do that, and I think you try to lighten the moment and say, okay, listen, we know what has happened. Yeah, the damage yeah. has been done. Yeah. Let's move on from this as quickly as we can. That's I think that's the only way that you could do that. And that would apply to the regular workplace as well. And we have a couple of listeners who say, like, listen, they're talking about this in front of a stranger, like whether it was recorded or not. Point. And yeah. another one saying, you know what? A lot of people treat maids and cab drivers and drive through workers like they're invisible, like they're not there yep. to yeah. hear you. And we're all pretending like, oh, they drop our drink off at the table. They didn't just overhear me say something crucially yeah. important yeah. or terrible. Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, thank you very much. Loren, we start this hour with the midterm elections. Yeah, and I think if you had asked me uh, during the last midterm elections how much attention I was paying to it, uh, I would have said none. Or oh, they do this like all the time? <laughs> oh, they do this all the time, apparently. No, I mean, you you kind of listen to see where, how things are going to shake down. Of course, this decides the makeup of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and so a lot's at stake uh, today in the U.S. midterms in terms of whether or not we're going to see the Democrats maybe take back the House. But yeah, no, uh, four years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago, you would not have caught me talking about the U.S. midterms. But here we are. It's a very different time and a very different election. And joining us on the phone to walk us through it is one of our Washington reporters, Reggie Cicchini. Good morning, Reggie. So tell if this was Canada, polls would be opening in now or in about an hour. But it's my understanding some of them have been open since about 5 a.m. Is that right? Yeah, we've had polls that are uh, have been open for a couple of hours at this point, and almost half of the country is uh, is at the point now where somebody can go and line up to uh, to cast their ballot. And we're already seeing pictures right now uh, out of New York, out of Philadelphia, out of Washington D.C., just starting to head in towards uh, you know areas of West Virginia and Kentucky, where lines are actually kind of 20, 30, 40, 50 people deep. So even beyond the early votes, you know, on voting day, there's still a lot of enthusiasm. Reggie, some concerns with regards to the weather. There is some inclement weather. Uh... Uh, around the United States affecting a large proportion of the population is there concern that they could affect voter turnout? I mean, weather is always a factor in any kind of election. You know, it hinders certain people from being able to get out, whether they're not able to, uh, you know, walk somewhere, whether, you know, it just makes it more difficult. I mean, here in Washington, it's pouring rain right now, but we're already seeing that, you know, lines are 20 and 30 deep here in the city. So, I mean, it's not really affecting uh, people as of right now, or at least we haven't seen it affecting people, you know, when it comes to numbers just as of yet. But knowing full well that there was going to be a potential risk for, for some adverse weather, uh, there have actually been groups of people that have been banding together to kind of provide a mobility uh, for people to actually get out of their house and go to a polling station if they don't have any vehicle, uh, any wheels. So, I mean, people were prepared for 
bad weather to be affecting a, a vote. So let's talk about what's actually at stake here, Reggie, because in the final hours, you had President Donald Trump uh, holding his own rallies, talking about how the Democrats are bringing illegal immigrants up at the border and how they're responsible for chaos. And then in a last-ditch effort, you had Barack Obama condemning Trump and accusing him of lying and, and fear-mongering. It's really coming down to a vote on Trump. Does it sound like, or are polls predicting that the Democrats have what it takes to at least take back the House of Representatives? For now, polls do uh, show, yes, that the, the Democrats are going to make some kind of gains in the House, probably in towards that majority territory. But, I mean, there's a lot of people that are still feeling that pain from 2016 when the polls showed that Hillary Clinton was going to win. So a lot of Democrats have this anxiety about looking at the polls and trying to jump on with it. Uh, when you were talking about the president stumping for, for uh, senators over yesterday, spending kind of 12 hours on the campaign trail with Barack Obama also doing it over the last couple of days, it goes to show that there's still a really big divide in this country where the president who had been told by advisors, he had been told by the outgoing House leader to speak about the economy, how it's chugging along, how people are working, how money is flowing in. And the president chose not to do that. He chose to make the closing argument about immigration and and a caravan that is not close to the U.S. border, but making it feel like it's a threat, an imminent threat to voters right now. So that's where the president's mindset is right now going into this vote. It's what Democrats have been trying to tell their voters all along. This is not the main problem. Things like health care, that's the problem that we should be tackling. So if the Democrats take the House, for example, what does that accomplish for them in the big picture? Well, it accomplishes for the Democrats, uh, you know, a chance to say, look, we're not as dead par- as dead of a party as the Republicans all said that we were. But it also gives them a chance to actually provide a check and balance on what's happening inside the White House, because with the Democrats now chairing committees like uh, like the Intelligence Committee, like the Judiciary Committee in the House, we will see investigations start to pop up. We could look at, uh, you know, an investigation into Trump's financial dealings and maybe get to see his tax returns. We could see uh, investigations into government scandals and some of the uh, leaders of agencies across the United States that haven't been really working to their best ability and have been kind of mired under a whole bunch of scandals since they took office. We could see that I-word start to creep into play with the impeachment process started up. So there's a lot of things that are weighing on the White House shoulders right now and a lot of things that Democrats are saying, look, if we get some charge, we're going to run with it. Depending on how you look at that, you could see that as a good thing that there might be some further investigations into U.S. President Donald Trump. Or you might have people saying, look, like now we're just going to be bogged down in this quagmire of investigations for the next two years, and not a lot will get accomplished in the states. And so there's that argument as well. Absolutely. But you're going to hear Democrats sit there and and rebut that by saying, well, look, the president has had full control over Washington with Republicans in charge of all houses and the White House uh, for the last two years. And very little has actually been able to move through in the legislative process. So there are kind of two ways to look at this. It's either going to stall or slow or just continue a really lackluster administration that's been going for two years. Reggie, I'm curious if you are going to be watching the uh, gubernatorial uh, races, in particular, one that I've got my eye on in Florida, Ron DeSantis running for the Republicans and Andrew Gillum, the uh, the mayor of Tallahassee running for the Democrats. That seems like a fascinating race. It's a it's a big race that the president has kind of made a big point of talking about. You know, he's talked about Andrew Gillum uh, being one of the worst mayors in, in Florida's history, being corrupt. He at one point called him a thief with no evidence to, to show anything about thievery when it comes to Andrew Gillum. It's been something that Democrats have been calling out, saying, look, the president is again using race as a way to try and push his voters to voting for somebody who 
who's in line with Donald Trump. So Florida, yes, it's a big race right now. It's the same with the Senate race in uh, in in Texas, but it's also the same with that gubernatorial race in Georgia, where we're looking at a potential uh, first for the Democrats putting a, an African American female as the state leader in Georgia. So those are two big races that we're actually watching. All right. So tonight, where are we looking, and how soon could we know how this might shape up? Well, I would be I would say that if you're watching uh, how the election results are coming in and you're paying attention to things on the East Coast, there are a couple of districts outside of Philadelphia to watch and a couple of districts in Virginia, Virginia seven and Virginia 10 are two big Republican strongholds right now. If those fall and they wind up in the hands of Democrats, we will get an idea as to how things are going to progress across the rest of the country because Republicans really needed those two districts to hold on to. So if you see two Virginia districts go blue that were originally red, I think that's going to be an indication that you're going to see a blue wave start to move west. Global's Reggie Giacchini joining us live from Washington. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Right now, we want to revisit our conversation from earlier about the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, and awkward might be one way to describe very awkward the likely mood inside the Ottawa Senators locker room today after video was shared of an Uber ride four of its players recently took. In it, they trash-talked their coach, their team, and has also raised a whole bunch of questions about privacy. Here's a short chunk. Only coach in NHL history to have the worst power play and worst PK within a back calendar to back. year. Back-to-back. <laughs> within a calendar year of each other. It's actually hard to do. It is. Do you, do you notice that? Do you notice that when he, when he uh, runs the video, like if you actually do pay attention, he doesn't ever teach you anything. He just commentates no. what's happening. He's like, uh, here's uh, so-and-so skating on the wall with the boxes. Yeah, he doesn't say what to do with it. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, too. We don't change anything ever, so why do we even have a meeting? Like, I haven't paid attention in three weeks. Whew, hasn't paid attention in three weeks. So that video is from an Uber ride. Well, just a sec now. Uh, my math isn't great. But uh, is it November 6th Yeah, today? they've been playing for like five weeks. Uh, about four. Four. So <laughs> 75% of his time, he hasn't been listening to his assistant coach. That's who they were talking about it. And I think, Greg, you corrected. There might have been seven players in that Uber ride. So we've been wondering, is that even allowed for that conversation to be recorded? Does it depend on what country you live in? This video is believed to have been taken in Arizona when the team was on the road in Phoenix. Either way, Winnipeg privacy lawyer Andrew Buck says we should all be very concerned. As just an ordinary citizen, when you look at that video and listen to what's being said, what's your immediate reaction? The Ottawa Senators are in trouble. Because? (laughs) Because their (laughs) players aren't happy with them. Um, But from a sort of more reasoned perspective, I think I'd say uh, that it speaks to the importance of we live in a digital age and People need to be careful about what they're they're saying because you never know what's being recorded and when it's going to show up. So the hockey fan in you says, uh-oh, but the privacy lawyer in you says, look, this is the day and age we live in. Some of us might argue, though, does that mean I can expect at any given time I'd be recorded and then potentially have that shared? Well, I certainly wouldn't want to live in a society like that. Uh, but the, the practical issue is if you're someone who's been recorded – that the remedies uh, for having your information recorded and disclosed without your knowledge are really so poor that a lot of the time, if you you were to to call up a lawyer, the advice that you're going to get is likely, well, uh, it's not great, but the remedies aren't great either. So uh, it might be best to just sort of put your head down and hope this blows over, Uh, which doesn't necessarily work so well when you're a high-profile person like a player for a hockey team. No, it won't blow over. This will linger for several days for them. But even if, as an ordinary Canadian, so this is this legally allowed for uh, an Uber driver to record conversations and share them? 
Well, I mean, that depends on a a number of different things. Um, If you want to look at it from an invasion of privacy perspective, typically what the privacy laws are going to say is that uh, if you're recording someone, as long as one person knows the camera rolling, is rolling rather than then you're going to be okay and that's subject to a whole bunch of qualifications it's not acceptable to record people inside their own homes or inside their own cars as distinct from someone else's car i suppose uh, and it's also not acceptable to do it for commercial gain in other words you can't use a person's image or likeness and then try to make money off it without their consent so that's the invasion of privacy angle Uh, If you're a business or otherwise collecting uh, or using or disclosing personal information, which this is, for business purposes, then you're subject to privacy laws. And those privacy laws would say that, generally speaking, you need to have consent. Um, In a situation where there's sort of a one-off or a privacy violation and someone's releasing a video not, not to make money, but just because, then those privacy laws aren't going to apply because the privacy laws only apply if you're doing things for personal uh, sorry, for business purposes. Unless someone's trying to make money, it sounds like everything here is fine. Releasing the video is legally, technically okay. Well, and another qualification with that, too, is you've got United States laws applying. So if this is happening in Phoenix, then really what you need to do is you need to look at what the local laws say. And so we're just talking about the Canadian perspective. But yes, under the Canadian perspective, as long as that one person knows that the camera's recording, uh, it may be offensive, but it might not technically be offside. Another thing we need to think about is what about Uber's terms of service? So this isn't a privacy law, but it is a, a contractual issue. When you sign up with a company and a company says, hey, I'm going to take you from point A to point B, there's going to be a whole bunch of terms and conditions. And according to Uber, it sounds like one of their terms and conditions is they won't record you and use your image without consent. Uh, now, the remedy there is really against Uber or the particular driver. So it doesn't mean that it's necessarily illegal, but you'd have to pursue them. And and in that case, that would involve following the procedure that's set out in their terms of service, which likely means going through arbitration and going through uh, where uh, Uber's located, which in this case, I think would be in, in California. So once again, it takes us back to what we talked about at the outset, which is if you're someone who's had their, their privacy uh, impugned in this way, there's not really a lot of practical remedies for you here. That's cons- is it concerning? Do we need to fix that? Well, I think or is there a to... fix for that? I mean, that, I guess that's the better question. Sure, I, I think there's two. The, the first is the, the practical and the uh, business fix, which is if you're a business and you're doing things like this, then uh, word is going to get out and, and that can hurt your brand. Um, so I think there's an incentive for businesses to self-police. Um, but then there's also uh, privacy laws and whether changes are appropriate. And the Office of the Privacy Commissioner uh, of Canada, who's sort of like our privacy police here, has recently released its annual report. And one of the things that it's calling for, once again, is increased powers, the ability to make binding orders on people to, to issue stronger fines. And so it's those sorts of events that that make Parliament eventually take notice and decide to change those laws. So you keep having incidents like this and eventually the the politicians might say, you know what, we do need to change our laws. Yeah, fascinating conversation. Personally, I can't stand the idea of being recorded without my knowledge, but 
There you are. Got hot off the press sports news for you. Chicago Blackhawks, lots of fans in this city have fired their head coach, Joel Quenville. They got off to a 3-0-2 start. They're 3-6-1 in their last 10 games. Joel Quenville, in spite of three Stanley Cups, as head coach of the, Stan- of the Chicago Blackhawks, has been fired. Macklin, we've been talking a lot this morning about privacy. Mm-hmm. We have the discussion uh, really prompted by the release of video from an Uber in Arizona. Seven members of the Ottawa Senators, four of them sort of actively complaining about one of their coaches and an assistant coach, some of them more loudly and uh, less respectfully than others. But now, get this. I think we have to realize that we're very often on closed circuit television. How many cameras in this room right now? One, two... Two. Two, okay. They're not for public consumption. I get that. But they are there. And with the flick of a switch, someone could record what we're saying, what we're doing, mm-hmm. picking your nose, whatever. They're, so uh, we we get used to them. And so you almost forget that they're around. Yep. We have all sorts of security cameras around the television or uh, the radio station here. And, um, so they are everywhere. We heard about facial recognition and the controversy around that at some of the major malls around Canada? Well, get this. A Chinese technology startup has begun selling software that recognize people by their body shape and how they walk, enabling identification when faces are hidden from cameras. Maybe it's time to think about a new walk. You think I need a new walk? (laughs) What? Well, you know... I've been walking the same way since high school. You know, you know how some guys, they walk into a room and everybody takes notice? I think I need a take-notice walk. Are you actually saying these words? The wisdom of Joey Tribbiani and friends. And, you know, all that aside, all joking aside, already used on the streets of Beijing and Shanghai, gate recognition is part of a push to develop artificial intelligence and data-driven surveillance across China. Huang Yongzhen, the CEO of Waitrex, said its system can identify people from up to 165 feet away, 50 meters, even with their backs turned and faces covered. Wow. Scary. This can fill in a gap in facial recognition, which needs close-up, high-resolution views of a person's face to work. Chinese police also use facial recognition to identify people in crowds and nab jaywalkers. Not everyone is comfortable with such surveillance. Well, first of all, that was not what I was expecting when I pressed play on that clip. I, <laughs> so, it all comes back to a Friends, or Simpsons, or Seinfeld episode. I like the way you think, but I I definitely understand the, the value in having something like this. If they can capture criminals, then I think I'm okay with that, but... You know, what else are they recording and what are they using this information for? Well, I want to bring Lorraine McNabb into this because she had a conversation with uh, our security and privacy expert earlier this morning. And one of the concerns that he raised with you, Lorraine, was this whole idea of us having this laissez-faire attitude towards all these cameras and going, well, if I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't have anything to hide. Right, because I had said at the end of it, personally, I really don't like this road. It's even an argument I've had with people in my family before. I don't like the idea that... I have a reasonable expectation to be recorded. No, I have a reasonable expectation 
of privacy. And just because someone, you know, when someone responds and says, yeah, well, you know what? Like, if you're not doing anything wrong, don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm not doing anything wrong. I still don't think you should be recording me and I don't think you should be sharing my information. And, you know, uh, even in Canada, we have laws as journalists that if as long as I know we're recording it doesn't matter if the other person does. Right. I still like to always make sure that person understands who I am and what I'm doing. And I'm going to use this conversation on TV or the radio or other. I, it's a, you should have a reasonable expectation to privacy, period. We often give our fingerprint willingly. We often realize that we're being recognized. When I came through the airport in Helsinki, in Amsterdam, and in Toronto on my way home last weekend, uh, three times the camera set up to match my face with my passport photo. I know that those correlations are going on. But what about this new technology where they can recognize you from how you walk? Yeah. I don't I don't like any of that. I don't like it. What was it that came out that some of the malls, right, do the face recognition yep. we were talking about? You yep. just mentioned that. Like I Yeah, I I think there's all sorts of good for these sorts of things, but it, then it just feels like you're living in that police state where you're constantly being watched. One of our listeners saying on text, 1984 right. is coming true. Right. Orwell, here we go. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on 680 CJOB. In case you were just tuning in, at 745, I told a story about how I tried the legal cannabis for the first time just this weekend, and it did not go very well. I had a I don't, well, I had a bad time. I was miserable and uh, had a bit of a panic attack. It had been 17 years-ish since I'd last had it. I've tried it four times in my life before that. None of them were positive experiences, but we've been learning about so many people who want to try it for whatever reasons, if it can help them, or maybe, I don't know, just the fact that it's regulated and you can learn about what it is you're about to consume that it might give you a better experience. I didn't do the research on what I tried. I was with a friend who bought it at one of the shops, and I just kind of blindly tried it, and I think that was my mistake. But in case I told the story, because if you are curious, like I was, about trying what is now a legal product in this country, whether it's for recreational purposes or maybe it can help you with something like anxiety or pain or whatever... Maybe you have questions about how should I do this. So Stephen Stairs is here. He's a longtime cannabis advocate. He's been a good friend of this radio station for many years. Stephen, thanks for joining us. We appreciate the visit. Thanks for guys having me. I appreciate it. So one of the first things that people were commenting on is that I had had two beers leading into my experience. It was over the course of about two hours. Was that mistake number one for me? I would say so. I would say if you're going to experience cannabis for the first time or, you know, for the first time in a long time, like in your case, uh, definitely do not drink. Why do not drink. It's just the way it affects your body chemistry. Your body's already dealing with processing one intoxicating, uh, you know, consum- consumable. So you really don't want to be skewing the the way your body is reacting with alcohol already being on top of it. And I, I would say the same thing for you know if you're a heavy you know cigarette smoker, don't be maybe. You know, don't have as many smokes that day. Maybe keep your heart rate down a little bit. Same thing if you're a big caffeine drinker. Don't be pounding, you know, double doubles all day and then try to smoke pot and see how you feel. One thing I think is interesting from all this is that having been down there the the day that legalization was official on the 17th and going in those stores, there were so many people who were legitimately there trying it for the first time. And and even to me, I had such a surprise to learn all the different strains and how it, you know, you, your image of it is this thing in the movies and it's just going to be this one joint and it gets chucked at you and that's all. But there's stores for a reason because there's all sorts of different varieties. Um, they come with different 
components of THC, which is what gives you the high, right, Stephen? And then right, that's a psychoactive ingredient in cannabis. And then the CBD does does not. It's more of a medicinal. Yeah, it's more of, well. I mean, THC has its medicinal values as well, but CBD is more of an analgesic, anti-inflammatory drug than anything. So it's it's comparison to like an Advil type thing, you know. So that's that's kind of what it does to your body. It relieves stress makes you uh, more relaxed, things like that. So if someone like Brett wanted to walk in the store again, would it make more sense to be like the, ask all the questions and say, this is the things that have happened to me or? Uh, You know, telling your story is actually a a really important thing towards understanding how you reacted to it when you're going into these stores for the second time, maybe for, to to get more questions. These staff are well-trained. They know what they're talking about. They know the, the medicinal value aspects. They know the recreational values. So definitely do not hesitate to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with a stupid question, right? Well, so, and I think well, there's a, never such a thing as a stupid question. No, <laughs> I agree with you, Stephen. And I think uh, a lot of us can relate to the whole idea of, well, you know, red wine gives me a headache. White wine doesn't necessarily give me a headache. Um, different alcohols don't agree with with every person, right? To alcohol, to volume, content, all those different things seem to be. Uh, something that we're aware of if we consume alcohol on a fairly regular basis. So I can't imagine it would be much different if you are planning to become or have been a consumer of, of cannabis or marijuana products. Yeah, I think I think that the, the comparison is definitely there. I mean, we've had you know uh, you know since since prohibition ended for alcohol, we've had you know almost a hundred years of of people being able to understand how you know certain boozes affect them. You know, I, I know personally, I'm not really a tequila guy anymore. Same with my wife, but I really like whiskey, and I've had time to sort that out. You know, just like people have had time to sort out whether or not they're a beer person, like you said, white, white or red wine. Uh, and we will get to that point with cannabis when people have you know tried a, a sativa, an indica, a hybrid, high THC, low. THC, they'll really start to get the nuances of how it affects them and the different strains and how they're really looking for that effect to be, you know, enjoyable or or maybe more relaxing or maybe uplifting. So it's uh, it, it'll take time to get there socially. Is it a good idea then for somebody who's looking to try it for maybe for the first time, for whatever reason they're wanting to try it, to start with a, a lower THC? I would definitely go low, go slow is the going phrase right now. So if you're going to try cannabis for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, definitely lower THC, uh, you know, I, I, I remember you said uh, in your story that you took uh, one puff and then you took a couple more. Yeah. Just take that one puff. Just the one. Just okay. the one puff. See how it goes. Wait a half hour or so, like you're saying, you know, and then maybe if you feel better, try another one, you know, but definitely go slow in the beginning. We don't want anybody, you know, I wouldn't suggest anybody go buy a two six and just slam it and see how you feel, you know, go have one shot at home, right? <laughs> and then take it from there. Well, and another thing I was wondering about is I had that, uh, that kind of panic. And I think part of the reason why I panicked is because I could feel it happening and I was kind of fighting it. So... Should I have just kind of sat back and let it do its thing? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I mean, it's best for you to at least anticipate what's coming. You know, you should know. You know, this strain, the sativa strain, for example, sativas make people a little more anxious. You know, it's a little, it's, it, it is an anxious inducer because there is usually more THC, which is a psychoactive ingredient, and usually less THC or less CBD, which kind of counteracts the two. So it will make you a little more, say, if you have a little bit of a paranoia issue. High sativa strains with high THC, probably not great for you. But at least if you know that when you're going into it, you're, 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 you're understanding the concept of what might be affecting you. But if you're blindly, and as a visually impaired person, that's ironic, uh, <coughs> going into cannabis without really knowing what you're doing, it, it can be a, you know, a crapshoot where you, you don't know whether or not it's, it's going to make you paranoid or couch potato. And, and you should really be educated about what you're consuming and make sure you know the ingredients, the THC value, CBD value, and 
and consume it with a friend of yours. I'm going to say that right now. Do it with a buddy, buddy system. Well, he did. He did it all right. He was at home. He was with a friend. He yep. wasn't driving anywhere. wasn't going to go anywhere. Exactly. And Don't now drive. maybe just ask some more questions if you want to try it again. You know, and that's it. Uh, I mean, it's, and also it will take time. I mean, uh, I, I'm not encouraging tobacco use by any means, but, you know, for cigarette smokers out there who first had their first cigarette drag, a lot of us as a former smoker got really, really sick. And then it, for some reason we kept up the habit. And this is not encouraging people to keep up the habit with cannabis, but if you want to consume it and you're concerned about how it affected you the first time, give it a couple times before you make that ultimate decision and write it off. November 25th, 1990. That was the last time I tried to smoke anything. Really? Wow. And it was, it was a cigar, a, a Colt. Ooh. And it, it was Grey Cup Sunday, the last time the Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup. That's wow. why I remember. So I'm, I'm sort of clean here, uh, and I'm sort of a square peg here, Stephen. But for a lot of people know you as this marijuana cannabis advocate, but you mentioned the fact that you are visually impaired. Correct. Is, is this what started not only you trying marijuana, or has that more been the the reason why it's been very important for you to become this activist? Uh, it, it's Yeah, it's, it's also kind of layered on top of each other, both of those. Um, I, I, here's to your story, uh, uh, Brett, there. Um, I actually quit cannabis for three years, uh, mid-2000s, uh, just trying to get all my life, stopped drinking, you know, I stopped partying, all that stuff, trying to get my life back together. Uh, and then eventually, I after I started again, I started with medical cannabis due to my vision loss. Someone told me it might help, went all for it, good to go. Uh, the first time I smoked pot after that three years, though, I had a very bad time. Hmm. I was worried about whether or not my jokes were funny. I was whether or not people were laughing at me or with me. So paranoia, yeah. I, it came right in. But you know what? Two or three days later, after smoking pot again and again, I was back at it. It was like riding a bike again. I felt normal again. And then the medical cannabis aspect after it started helping the degradation of my vision loss is where the passion came from me, where I knew it wasn't just a cool feeling anymore. It was literally saving my vision so I could see my daughter drive a car or graduate or my son, you know, hit that baseball or home run. You know, it's it's it is very uh, <clears throat> it's very relieving for me to have some sort of sense of control regarding my disability. And cannabis has given me that. Stephen Stairs, longtime cannabis advocate, joining us today to answer our questions in case you are thinking about trying it for the first time. Stephen, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate no the visit. And right now, Loren, we want to talk about something uh, rather frightening that's happened in the city of Winnipeg regarding a shooting. Yeah, it was really disturbing to hear about this. We got a note in our inbox late last night from a, a listener of Global Television and CGOB to, to basically say, how come no one's talking about this shooting on Selkirk Avenue? I was at work yesterday and an employee of mine, unprovoked, was shot. And so when you hear something about that, you think, A, okay, I didn't know about that. So we checked with police, sure enough. Uh, they have confirmed there was a shooting on Selkirk Avenue, Selkirk and Power Street, potentially yesterday. Um, random, unprovoked, unexpected, no confrontation, a man just walking to work. So we spoke to Laura Brooke uh, just a few minutes ago, and she explained how she heard how it went down. I got a call from the boss saying that one of the workers was walking to work at 6.30 in the morning. He was at the 500 block of Selkirk Avenue. He was going to 584, um, which is a new Bear Clan facility. And all of a sudden, he heard a hey really loud. And he turned around, and there was a guy with a mask on, um, black clothing, 
and took a shot, went flying past his head, and then shot again and hit him in the shoulder. So just to confirm for our listeners, Laura, you didn't see this, but this is the information you got from employees on the scene that saw one of their colleagues be, be shot at. Yes, and I also went to the hospital to talk to the worker as well. So he then was hit? Yes. And where was he hit again? In the right shoulder. And how is he doing? He, they released him, thankfully. It uh, grazed him. So it was not embedded and totally into him. It grazed his shoulder. And he's got a good wound mark there, but he's going to be off work for about at least three to four days. You mentioned that you went to see him. What I mean, what, what was he thinking? And nobody expects to walk to work anywhere, I don't think, and no. have that. But what, what was he feeling? He was shocked because he goes to work every day, same time every day, whether it's working in the North End or South End, and nothing like this has ever happened. Um, he's a great guy. He's got a family. Like, like there was no, he had no idea. Um, The only thing that they did come up with a little bit is a gang initiation, I think it's called. So police may have said that this might have been part of that? That's the theory at this point? Yeah, a gang initiation. Okay, we've reached out to police and we're looking for further information from them. They have confirmed that shooting and they've also said to our uh, reporters that it was completely random, unprovoked, unexpected, no confrontation. He was just walking to work and he was shot. Can you tell us a bit more about the mask or, or what this person may have looked like? Do we have a further description at, it, at all? No, I don't. I have no other description than what I told you. Laura, are you heading to work at the same area where he was yesterday? Yes, I work in that area actually every day. <laughs> and and what are you feeling this morning, knowing what happened uh, in that area yesterday? I'm scared. I'm actually scared to go to work. Um, I had to go to the workers yesterday where it happened and talk to them about it and tell them how to be safe in the morning, to use a buddy system, don't walk into work alone, uh, wait for each other, walk in together. And that's the same thing I'm going to tell my other workers. I actually work in three spots in that area. And I'm going to tell them all just to work in a buddy system, have your cell phone on, talking to maybe somebody, not sure, you know, just make sure that you and you're aware of your surroundings because it is scary. And now I'm a little bit scared because if it's a random shooting for no reason, it could be anybody. That was Laura Brooke. She is a safety officer with one of the construction companies. They were working in the Selkirk Avenue area in the North End yesterday when she got a call that one of their employees had been shot, first shot at, the shot grazed, uh, sorry, missed his head, it sounds like, and then grazed his shoulder. He has what sounds like a little bit of a wound there, but was released yesterday. That employee is going to be off work for a little bit. I asked her also, how is he feeling? Like, does he want to go back to work? And she says, not at that spot. Like, he's a little leery Mm -hmm. leery of returning to the spot. But again, you know, uh, just, just after the sunrise, someone's on their way to work, and then this would happen. So pretty alarming. Isn't that the biggest fear that we have, is that we're going to be victims of random acts of violence like this? Uh, we can associate and, and sometimes rationalize some of the other violence that happens in Winnipeg, right? When victims are known to one another and it's a confrontation maybe over drugs or a personal squabble, you know, these crimes of passion, we can sometimes put those aside. But it's when people are randomly victims of 
crime and a shooting, no less. That's, I think, when we when we start to pay attention to and what's going on. Those were the police words. I want to be clear, too, yes. that they, they confirmed the shooting, but it was unprovoked, no confrontation, too. And so that's something you don't, I mean, we've heard, it's not like we haven't heard about shots being fired nope. in the city before. And she used the word possibility of a gang initiation. We don't know that. Police haven't confirmed that. Nope. But often there are gang situations that occur that leave the general public in theory, out of the mix. But this is just a complete, I mean, that's where it gets worrisome. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.